Well, I looked at lesson seven here, which is dealing with the journey from discouragement to destiny. And I tell you, it, it just seems to me like he had to have written this during the COVID crisis. But he didn't. He didn't. Uh, so everything in here, the Lord, just, the Lord just knew that we would need this. Uh, and I trust that God will help lift our perspective. We're going to be looking at Gideon. Gideon is one of those characters in the Bible that when we're a kid, we're used to seeing him on the flannel graph. And uh, uh, he's known for being the guy with the, the lamps and the horn. And, uh, you know, they'd, they smashed those, those lamps and blew that horn and, and so forth. And uh, he, was a, 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 he saw a great victory. Uh, he was also a little bit fearful at the beginning. And many of us can relate to that as well. God oftentimes uses those who are fearful at the beginning, but they learn to trust God. And Gideon learned to trust God. <clears throat> uh, the judges, or the period of the judges, was a very, very wicked time. The, the Bible says several times in the book of Judges that every man did that which was right in their own eyes. It said there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which is right in their own eyes. I want to preach through Judges at some point here. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, but you think about that. No king, and so everybody just does what they want to do. Whatever you think is right, you're the king. You're the boss. And whoever uh, has the, the longest sword, I guess, uh, or the biggest army, he, he gets, gets to rule. Uh, so Gideon ministered during this time. Israel lived wickedly. And God used judges during this time of 339 years uh, from the time of Moses and Joshua until the time of King Saul. That's a long time to just live under your own rule uh, with such wickedness. And, and there was cycles that happened over and over and over of uh, sin and rebellion and then uh, judgment of God and they would be slaves and sold into bondage and uh, then they would, they would cry out to God and repent, and then God would raise up a deliverer, and they would rally around him and go forward by faith, and there'd be a great deliverance, and then God would give them peace. And then after the peace, they would become complacent, and with the complacency comes compromise and sin, and then they'd go through that cycle again, and they continued that all the way through. Think about uh, the volatility of, of that time. Well, you're up, you're down, there's peace, there's war, and uh, uh, such sinful conditions repeating over and over and over. Well, we, we see similar, a similar situation today. Uh, I, I think we have seen an unbelievable amount of peace. I mean, compared to how much peace they got at any one time in the book of Judges, we have certainly had more than that. But I think we're coming out of it. I think we've gone from a time of peace to a time of complacency. And then the complacency has given way to compromise and sin. And uh, unless there is revival, I, I, I could expect that, that we will have the same problem where uh, we'll find ourselves crying out to God, Lord, send us a deliverer. Lord, deliver us. We as a country have lost our moral compass uh, a couple things 
uh, from the lesson here. In 2002, the state of Louisiana was sued by the ACLU for teaching abstinence as a possible alternative. And the ACLU believed that this teaching was forcing religion upon students. Uh, interesting. Uh, a recent article in a magazine published by Kaiser Permanent, Permanenti, something like that, st okay, stated that sexually transmitted diseases are not a moral issue. In other words, being immoral is not immoral. Okay. Uh, in 1970, there were 200,000 people in prison in America. Uh, in 2008, there were 1.5 million. That is uh, as many as live as uh, in Houston. And it goes on, and there, there's more that could be said there. Uh, obviously, we, it's not getting any better, bottom line. It's not getting any better. We know that, and, and we see that our, our country is turning further and further from God. And this creates a real problem, much like what Gideon faced. Uh, let's look at Judges 6, 22. <clears throat> when, when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. We're going to look, first of all, at the paralysis of fear. And this is why I thought, as I read this, it just seems so much like what we've come through in 2020 and even in 2021. Um, fear lurking in every, around every corner. Uh, the command to fear not is given dozens of times in God's Word. Why? Because we're so prone to it. And uh, yet many still... Uh, suffer from this paralysis. Gideon also uh, suffered from this. He, he, rather than trust God, he immediately started uh, this relationship with the angel and with the Lord with fear. Uh, fear is something that our, our, our culture is living with more and more. Uh, researchers at John Hopkins University reported that 30 years ago, the greatest fears of grade school children were animals, being in a dark room, high places, heights, strangers, and loud noises. Sounds very innocent. Uh, today, kids are afraid of divorce, nuclear war, cancer, pollution, or being mugged. And uh, I think uh, that's no wonder our culture pumps fear. Uh, fear is a weapon. Fear motivates and moves people, and it's a tool of manipulation and uh, the, the, um, the news media, especially the mainstream news media, is just pumping one fearful headline after the, the next. So what's the opposite of fear? It's faith. Faith is what God has called us to. God has not called us to a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. <clears throat> Let's look at the contrast between the two. Fear weakens. Faith strengthens. Fear imprisons, faith liberates, fear paralyzes, and faith empowers. Fear disheartens, faith encourages, fear sickens, faith heals. Gideon began his journey of faith in fear. So if you 
are a fearful person. If you're struggling with some fears right now, take heart. Gideon began right where you are, fearful, not sure that this is going to work at all. And yet God helped him toward faith. Uh, so so uh, letter A here, fear leads to isolation. Fear leads to isolation. <clears throat> Judges chapter 6. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So when you first see him, he is uh, threshing wheat by the winepress, hiding from the Midianites. He was isolated and alone. And uh, of course, if if you're in this day, you're probably going to do the exact same thing. Let's hide from the Midianites. Let's just stay out of the way. Uh, The Midianites, interestingly enough, were uh, nomads that traced their genealogy through Abraham's concubine, Keturah, just for what it's worth. Um, We, uh, I'll I'll give you this illustration real quick here. The story is told of a man on vacation who returned to his cabin from a hike, and he was badly scratched and bruised. Uh, And he, he was asked by his wife, what happened? He said, I met a snake. And she said, don't you remember that none of the snakes in this part of, of the area are, are poisonous? And he said, they don't have to be poisonous if they can make you jump off a 20-foot cliff, right? I mean, that's, they can hurt you more ways than one. Uh, and that's the thing with fear. Fear oftentimes causes us to do things that hurt us, uh, ridiculous things. This is not the time for Christians to jump off a cliff, Right? This is the time, this is not the time for us to live in isolation and fear, hiding from things. This is the time for us to take the gospel to every creature. I'm just going to read this straight out of the, out of the book because it is, uh, it would almost seem like you wrote this for today. And uh, I did not write this. He says, do not let the news headlines or worldly culture drive you to isolation. <laughs> hey, uh, that's exactly what we need to hear. He says, determined to punch holes in the darkness by spreading God's love to a world dying in sin. We have certainly uh, dealt with this, this fear leading to isolation. Uh, And feel free to jump in here at any point. If you have a comment, I want to get to some questions at the end. I want to kind of front load this, and then hopefully we can have a little discussion uh, once we get a little bit down the road. But feel free to jump in at any time. Uh, Somehow... We think that in isolation that we're protected. But are we truly protected in isolation? You know, when you consider how God made us, how did he make us? So in the image of God, he created us. Uh, but he made us with a desire and a need for fellowship. Now, I know many of us grow weary with people, and we've all probably said at one time or another, give me 200 acres in, you know, Alaska or something like that. Uh, Give me a log cabin somewhere where no one is. Uh, We've all probably thought that, but the truth is uh, God made us to interact with people. Why is it that that we feel that isolation helps? Any thoughts on that? What What do we hope to attain in isolation? And, and uh, well, I, I, I'll leave it there before I ask a follow-up question. I think that sometimes the world has to be changed. 
people can be rude and mean and disrespectful, and I think sometimes you just want to isolate to like buffer yourself from all the there it is all the all the kind of hatred that's out there. I'm just tired of being hurt, and disrespected, and just being around mean people. So you just want to isolate mm -hmm. to just kind of like maybe to heal from all of it. You said buffer yourself. I like that phrase. You're trying to buffer yourself, protect yourself. I've been hurt before. I'm going to retreat and re retract into my shell, and, and hopefully I'm out of reach of whatever is coming at me. Here's the interesting thing, though. We are our own worst enemy. And truth be told, the things that are swinging at us, the things that are roughing us up and stretching us and hurting us, are a lot of times the things that build us and make us stronger and cause us to grow and have to come up with answers and solutions and so forth. And when you remove all of those things and just go into your hole, you actually have taken away a lot of elements that God can use to help you. And you are left with an element that, well, Lord help you, uh, the heart, your own heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, the Bible says, who can know it? And when you isolate into your own little uh, hole in the wall, you have not taken away the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy being your own heart. Uh, what are some things that can happen in isolation that will compound this problem? Yes. There it is. And give me, can you give me an example, a th uh, thought on that? <laughs> you know, you, you, maybe you're by yourself and you start worrying about something and you can't get your mind off that worry because you don't, you're not working, you're just sitting with yourself thinking about it over and over and over, your problem. And you're Absolutely. Obsessing with it and worrying over it. Obsessing. When I had come off the road and canceled my meetings in 2015. And I was talking to Jason and Suresh, like, I don't think you guys want me to come up there to Michigan. Um, I, was, uh, I was very weak and had a lot of exhaustion issues and, and um, I was obsessing over it. And I was just thinking, all I could do is think about it. And my wife would say, honey, I think we need to do some stuff. I'm like, babe, you don't understand it. I don't need to do anything. I can't do anything. I'm sick. Like, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, I know. Let's go for a walk. No, hon, we've we got to figure this out. I, I need to figure, there's got to be something I'm missing. We've got to figure this out. Let's go over to the Shaw's house. That was our pastor. Go to the Shaw's house? Are you crazy? I'm sick. We're not going to the Shaw's house. She drug me to the Shaw's house and didn't tell me that half the church was going to be there. And I was like, what in the world? I, can't, I, I, I thought, I can't handle this. I cannot handle all these people right now. Truth is, it helped pull me out of myself. I was laughing before that was over. I, we were doing a game and, and all of this. And I, I said to my wife, I said, that was, that was really amazing. And I went home and fell right back into my hole. Uh, and, and it was just too easy. But when I began coming out of that and talking to people, ministering to people, uh, engaging in people, the healing uh, took off. There, there, was, there was definitely a, a, a faster recovery. God didn't make us to sit in isolation and just contemplate everything that's wrong with us and everything that's wrong with our world. Uh, you literally go crazy. Yeah. But don't you think that's 
part of the process too that you have to sort of get concentrated on your problems to work your problems out or if you just go 90 miles an hour all the time then you never see the forest for the trees sure so it is a, it is a circle i understand yeah. that yeah. but you know even jesus went into the wilderness for 30 right. days and, right. and uh it's a, it's a time to think and a time to figure things out. Absolutely, which would be where I was before I went uh, into that summer of, of uh, healing. I was going 100 miles an hour in evangelism with my meetings back to back to back to back to back and burned myself right out and uh, that I needed. I definitely needed some recovery, but in the recovery, I needed to not be isolated in other words, um, while I was trying to recover my... Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. I think that puts a finger on something about when you're, in your, when you're in the process of being alone and trying to figure out the problems, are you meditating on them in a constructive way? There you go, sure. And, you know, are you going to the Bible for the answers? Or are you going to godly counsel for the answers? Or are you just doing and worrying and fretting about it? Yeah. In a way that, I mean, and I, I think that some personalities can be different about it. I, I tend to be the sort of person to worry. Mm -hmm. And not when I'm worrying, I'm not coming up with solutions to the problems. I'm just worrying. Well, Carl is a little different. If he goes and he sits about it and thinks about it, he'll come up with a solution. That's a different personality. So I think that you have to also know, am I a steward and I'm worrying and not meditating on God? Exactly right. So the two things need to meet. So like what you were saying, there, there's a time where you need to come away. You need to just, you know, I, isolate in a sense, to take a break, but do it, do it the right way. So at, at the beginning of my pilgrimage, I was obsessing. I was too worried and all that. Then I found the Jim Berg material, went through the Jim Berg material, and began to get more of a, um, a plan in place. And then, boy, things were different, definitely. Good, yes? Everyone that I know, that has basically chosen a style, a lifestyle of isolation. What I, what I wouldn't witness happening to those individuals. And and, and a few I, I love very much, but what I saw them do is they caved in on themselves and they self-destructed. Mm. They self-destructed in their own isolation. They stayed to themselves to protect themselves from the world, but in doing that. I'm talking about like for a lifestyle where people just isolate as a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I saw like a caving in on oneself where you no longer can give and you no longer, it's a very selfish, mm -hmm. self-centered way of like yeah. caving in. Yep. And it, 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 it breaks your heart to watch people, you know, that you love d dying mm -hmm. and, and destroying themselves that way. But I think that's what happens in right. like a, a lifestyle of isolation. Yeah, absolutely. It can really be um, debilitating. You know, I also think there's a choice involved, usually. You, you know, the, the, yeah, there could be someone who's isolated in solitary confinement and they did not make that choice. Well, they made choices to get there. Okay, there, there, are, there are, but for most folks who are isolated, they have chosen to withdraw. Um, you know, because of our technology today, really nobody has to be isolated. There is uh, Zoom calls, there's Skype, there's FaceTime. There, it, it used to be, 
you know, oh, be careful, that's long distance. Does, who talks about long distance anymore? Because of cell phones and all, there, there's no long distance. Talk to grandma as long as you want. And now you can see grandma on the phone and you can even uh, screen share to your TV and see grandma on the big screen if you want. Um, you know, if, 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 I know that not everyone can get out of their house physically. We have physical limitations. Uh, but even if you are physically homebound, you can get engaged in people's lives and I would encourage you to do so uh, because it will pull you out of yourself, it will strengthen you, it'll keep your mind engaged, and also just keep your mind off of yourself. Uh, if, we, if we just keep our minds on what we're dealing with, uh, it, can be, it can just be overwhelming. Uh, it, helps, it helps to serve. It's, it's therapeutic to serve another. Uh, so good, good discussion. Fear leads to... Okay, I thought I saw somebody. Fear leads to isolation, but also fear leads to discouragement. They go together, hand in hand. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told of us? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And don't anybody condemn him because you've done the exact same thing. Uh, I've done the same thing where you said, God, where were you? If you were really with me, how could you let this happen? That's basically what he's saying. He is discouraged by the oppression of the Midianites that he is, he is realizing. And the, the two things go together. Fear leads to the isolation. And in, in the isolated moment, you begin to reconstruct reality. You've done it and I've done it. Uh, you don't have any context to bounce it off of. You know, if you were interacting with people and you were talking to them, they would say, no, now that's not true. Now hang on, that perspective is incorrect. Let me challenge your thinking. And they'd give you all these challenging thoughts and they would hold you accountable to reality. But when you have blocked everybody out of your life and it's just you and your mind and your thoughts and you can make this world into whatever you want it to be, or whatever your fear will create it to be. And uh, when the fear reigns in the heart, discouragement is sure to follow. You see this with King David, he would get discouraged. And what would he do? Uh, he'd write a psalm. And he would just pour it out to the Lord. And God kept him uh, in a place of healing and recovery through that. Um, but Psalm 89, 49, Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? Uh, you know, he's saying, Lord, it doesn't seem like that's happening. Uh, Gideon was discouraged. He was fearful. But God tells us, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we need to make a decision to not linger in isolation and fear and discouragement, but rather, as Gideon did, begin to move forward by faith and stand on the promises. So the paralysis of fear, I think we all know about that, but God wants us to move from that paralysis into number two, the proving of faith. The proving of faith. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The book says it this way, faith is listening to what God says in his word and then acting upon it. Faith is listening to what God says in his word and then acting upon it. 
one thing that we can get encouragement from concerning Gideon's life is that he wasn't this, this guy who had this bold, brazen faith. You know, the John Wayne kind of faith. He just a uh, tough guy faith. Uh, he was, he kind of seemed like a wimp at times. But you know what? That gives hope for me because there are times where I, boy, I totally relate to Gideon. Uh, the, the thing that we need to recognize about Gideon is this, not where he struggled, but where he took steps. And the truth is, as weak as he was, as fearful as he was, isolated as he was, he took the right steps. He was, he was a man of action. <clears throat> Judges 6, 14 and 15, the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. We've all been there. Lord, you've got the wrong guy. Gideon questioned whether God had made the right choice. His faith was weak. But God gave him something that sustained him. And what was it? It was the promise of his presence. He said, have not I sent thee? And he, he through that promise, strengthened Gideon's faith. <clears throat> and then verse 16, And the Lord said, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. I think one of the biggest misunderstandings about faith is that we think that a guy with great faith is almost, uh, has this cocky confidence. But that's not true. Uh, the guy with great faith may seem like a very humanly weak individual, but they're trusting in a great God. And that brings us up to this next point, which is faith is not self-confident. Faith is not self-confident. Gideon certainly was not self-confident, but he became God-confident. Judges 7, 2 the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Isn't this interesting? I've wondered sometimes in my own life, Lord, did you have to do it at the last minute? Like, or did, you, did you have to do it this way? God sometimes delivers in a way that we would not have done because he wants to make sure he's the only one that gets the glory at the end. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand. And there remained ten thousand. Ouch. Two-thirds out the door. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. If I was fearful Gideon, and the Lord is whittling down my army, <laughs> talk, about, talk about trying a guy, or I guess the, the what is the... Yeah, proving, uh, proving a guy, um, boy, he, he, was, he was sure testing him. 
They had 32,000 at first. Now they have uh, only 10,000. And it's interesting also to note who he released first. Did you catch it? How, uh, you know, who, who were the ones that were sent home? It was, according to the verse, they, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. As soon as I read that, as I was preparing for this, I actually took out my pink highlighter. That means bold, okay? If it's a yellow highlighter, that's a highlight. But if it's pink, for me, that's like... Um, I, I thought, you know, I, I don't want to be the one today that God dismisses from, a, from whatever he wants me to do because I was too afraid to do it. Now, obviously, we've already established that God still used Gideon though he was weak and fearful. But what was the difference? He took actions based on what God had said. And so he was, though he was fearful, he was on the path of faith, if that makes sense. He is, he is trusting God. What did the disciples say? Um, or, uh, the one said to Jesus, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Uh, same idea. Gideon, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Uh, it, was, it was the action of his faith, the direction of his faith. God said, you're moving the right direction. You're, you're okay. But the others, they were assembled together. They got to hear from Gideon. And they said, nope, I'm still, <laughs> we're not having this. And God said, I, I cannot use you. Gideon started with 32,000, lost 22,000. God thinned the ranks. And I believe that God is still doing that even today. Uh, I, I believe that we are being tested. We are being proved. I think 2020 was a lot of testing, and a lot of proving. I believe 2021 is going to be more yet. Uh, I, I mean, so many memes about, thank God 2020 is over. And every time I saw one of those, I thought, so do you think that all evil is confined to 2020? I personally believe 2020, we just got started. Um, there's the, the, the devil is, is certainly not done, and, and uh, the, the forces of evil are certainly going to do whatever they can, and we have to push back as soldiers of the cross. Um, but, but could it be that God is proving us I believe he is. I believe he's testing us to see if we'll continue to trust him. Uh, every headline, it seems, anymore sickens the stomach. And uh, if it doesn't sicken the stomach, it makes the heart, you know, jump with fear. And uh, God, God is, is, is asking of us, will you trust me? Will you continue to trust me and act by faith? Or are you going to pull back, pull back, pull back, isolate, isolate, and, and, and as you said, buffer and defend God has not called us as a church to a place of defense. We are to be on the offense. The verse says, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates don't advance. Gates are defense. That means the church is the advance. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we advancing? Are we advancing in a day where uh, it is the thing for churches to close their doors and, and uh, to, to isolate. We don't, we don't have access to our nursing home ministry anymore. We don't have access to our jail ministry anymore. We, if you go out and knock on a door, someone thinks that you have just contaminated their door handle. 
Uh, you actually are in my space on my front porch. Um, it, it is just, it, it's crazy, but it's, it's, it, it's a perfect storm for the devil to win some ground that he has no business claiming. Uh, by faith, Gideon trusted God's directions and, and moved forward. And he is later mentioned where? Anybody remember where he's mentioned in the New Testament? Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith as we call it. Uh, Hebrews 11, 11, uh, sorry, 11.32, And what shall I say more for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David and Samuel, of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Uh, God used those men, men of faith, is what they're, they're, they're uh, referred to. Yes, bud? Yeah, absolutely. He was a man who uh, did not always do right. <laughs> in fact, that's an understatement. Um, a lot of sin in his life, and, and yet he is mentioned in the hall of faith. That's the grace of God and the mercy of God. So faith is not um, self-confident. God used these individuals as they trusted him. Gideon was God-confident. That's the next, the next uh, point. Faith is God-confident. Confident. But without faith, it's impo- impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Isn't it interesting that God came to Gideon at all? What did God see in Gideon? He saw something. He saw some potential. And in Judges 6.12, he is referred to as a mighty man of valor. Because of whose valor? Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was his confidence in God that, that made him the man that he was. And as you and I put our faith and confidence in God, God will develop us. And God made him into a leader that, that other men and women could follow. Judges 7, verse 8. So the people took vit- vittles. I think that's how you pronounce that. Victuals, but we say vittles. In their hand and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. When it was time for him to obey, he obeyed. So how do you know the difference between a fearful person and a faith-filled person? There's two fearful individuals, one who leaves and one who obeys. Uh, And that's what boldness is. Boldness is not the absence of fear. It is the action of faith in spite of the fear. He obeyed completely, whatever the command was, no matter how irrational it may have seemed. There's some weird things going on here in this story, you know. Send home 22,000 men. That's, that's weird. Uh, when you're already outnumbered. And what's this about, uh, uh, you know, the, the trumpets and the, the, the pots and all these different things. God gave him some things that were going to test his willingness to trust. 
It was not all going to be rational or reasonable, but God, uh, God was his confidence. And, and he knew his strength would come from the Lord, and so therefore he was going to trust the Lord. And God blessed his faith. When we obey God, when we step out in faith, God will bless. Uh, he always blesses uh, the, the, our, our actions of faith. Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And that's what Gideon understood. God's on my side, and therefore uh, it's going to be okay. <clears throat> Each of us have a different journey of faith but God, uh, God knows what we need on our journey to bring us to faith. And so you can't always necessarily compare with somebody else. Uh, that doesn't work. What God is doing in someone else's life to bring them on, on, on their journey of faith is between them and the Lord and yours is totally different. God knows what you need for you to be able to learn to yield and trust him fully, but God will bless. So the proving of our faith. I believe, as I said, that God is proving our faith as a church and will continue to do so. I think of, of Hebrews 11, 25, uh, that we should, um, how's it go now? Uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. The, the more I see the day approaching and the more I hear of what's going on in this world, the more I... Uh, I love being in, in church. I love being with you folks. I, I want to plan. I want to, to prepare. What are we doing? Where are we going? Keep honing down our purpose. What are we really here for? And let's make sure that we're on target because I don't know what's coming and I don't know how much time we have. I want to be prepared and I want to be, I want to be faithful. All right, let's, I want to get some discussion, but let's get the, the last couple in here uh, quick. Uh, the provision for the faithful is the third point here, the provision for the faithful. Well, first of all, God provides wisdom. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came to the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and they break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hand, and the trumpets in their right hand to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. God gave him exactly the wisdom that he needed for his situation. You know what we would do if we Baptists were alive back then? We would start a conference called how to beat an army bigger than you. We would sell trumpets, and we would sell clay pitchers, and we would teach them how to blow them and how to crash them. And we would say, here's how you yell, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And you do it just like this, and, and then you'll wipe them out. You know, what we want today is uh, uh, the quick fix to church growth. Uh, the quick fix to a family who is not chaotic, you know, children that will go on for God. Uh, uh, you know, we, we want the, the quick approach to victory over sin. 
But it doesn't happen that way. It is the journey of faith that God puts you on that brings you to a place and, and the things that work in one person's journey don't work for somebody else necessarily. We just want a quick fix. What we need to be willing for is for God to take us on a journey. You know, uh, for Gideon, it was, it was pitchers and trumpets and, and lamps, right? And holler. Holler, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. But what did he tell Joshua? He did, but as far as the practicals, walk around the city. Don't say a word, exactly. How different is that? You know, again, if, it, if we were there, we'd be like, oh, you got to do it our way, pal. You have to yell, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, you quiet monks, what's wrong with you guys walking around there? What do you think is going to happen? You don't even have any trumpets. And where's your lamps? Come on. Different denomination. You know? <laughs> you know? uh, but, you know, God never told him to repeat that. They never marched around any other town. Um, we look for the wrong stuff. We look for how did God do it and what were the particulars. Now let's recreate the particulars and let's make this thing happen. Now God wants to give you wisdom for your situation. He wants you to get to know him. He wants you to walk by faith and know his word and have the freedom to hear him, follow him, and obey him. And it's going to be different, and that's okay. And in the process, you're going to get to know him better than if I say, here's your sword, here's your lamp, hold that in the left hand. It says, no, nope, no, nope, not right hand, left hand. That's what, that's what it said right there. They held their lamps in the left hand. Okay, left hand. And then the pitcher, you're going to break that on my cue. You know, that'd be so easy, but you wouldn't get to know the Lord. And uh, you would not have that incredible, deep uh, convincement that God is going to come through. You know, I think we often compare and we get discouraged by that, those comparisons. Even in church, we look across the aisle and from pew to pew. And uh, I, I think what we should do is when we see other journeys of faith, learn to pray for those individuals and then say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What am I missing in, in my life? Uh, God provided the wisdom for them to do exactly what they needed to do. And part of his wisdom was for them to stand in their place. Verse 21. Uh, and they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. Uh, that's not what I would have thought. Stand still. But sometimes that's what God asks. Uh, they were, they were uh, I'm sure they felt weird. I'm holding a lamp, you know. That means they know where to fire. They fire at the light. Uh, but they did exactly what God told them to do, and, and they, stood, they stood still. They stood still and watched the Lord deliver. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, that whole picture as I see it, was such that every individual, Gideon and every other one, the way God drew it up, they would know it was God the entire time. Ready on three, crash the, crash the, the pitchers. Crash. Hold up the lamp with your left hand. Now shout, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now do nothing but stand there holding this little light of mine. 
and watch. And here it goes. They're running around and killing each other and the, the, the God delivers the day. Uh, they would have known this was impossible. This was God. God gets the glory. And that's exactly what God wanted. Uh, he wants us to obey him and he wants us to obey him his way so that he can, so that he can uh, get the glory and, and increase that God confidence in our life and also in our family's life. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that he give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. God provided first wisdom, and let her be. God provided tenacity. And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. <laughs> that is so like how we are. You know, uh, we missed the party. We wanted to be the champions. And you went and you were a champion and left us out. No, no, no. You're actually the champion. We're not. Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> they walk off. Uh, human nature. Amazing. Uh, Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and 300 men that were with him faint yet pursuing them uh, God provided the tenacity that Gideon needed to hang in there when criticized and, and to have the soft answer that turns away wrath how easy would it have been for him to say you dare come to me you weren't there that's not my fault I just won the victory. How about a thank you? You know, take me out to dinner, something. You're going to come to me and throw this in my face. That's how I would have responded, but for the grace of God. Um, and that would have taken a lot of grace. I, I tell you, that, that, would, that would sting right there. <clears throat> but he says, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here about me. This is never about me. This is always about God, and this is always about delivering the people. And how, what good is it if now we're fighting each other. So I'm going to give a soft answer that turns away wrath, and I'm going to bring myself down. They want to be up on a pedestal? Fine, I'll put them up on a pedestal. I'm nothing. You guys are everything. Thank you. That's what we wanted to believe. We're, we're everything, and you're nothing. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, it seems like he kind of uh, wimped out, but I would say no. He, 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 uh, he, he was saying, I'm going to prefer you before me. I'm going to put others, esteem others better than yourself. The Bible says, soft answer turns away wrath. He said, I'm just going to uh, try to deflect this and not allow this to be a victory. You know, Satan will steal victory uh, just as quick as we have the celebration. Um, he was not afraid of being criticized. You know, someone said, if you want to avoid criticism, it's pretty simple say nothing, do nothing, and believe nothing. Well, uh, he did something, so he's going to be criticized. And we should expect that. And don't let that throw you off your journey of faith. They were faint, the Bible says, yet they still pursued. D.L. Moody was criticized. Somebody said to him that they did not like his method for soul winning. <clears throat> he had a certain way he went, he went about soul winning. And uh, someone came up to him and said, you do it wrong. That's not, that's, that's, that's not the way to win souls. And D.L. Moody said, well, would you please tell me how you do it? 
And they said, well, I, I don't do it, but, but you're doing it wrong. And Dion Moody said, well, if you don't mind, I'd prefer to do it the way I do it rather than the way you don't do it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, hey, anyone can criticize, uh, but those of us who are doing something for God, and I hope that's all of us trying to do something for God, if we stay focused on the Lord, we don't have to allow the criticism to derail us. Remember our buddy Nehemiah? What did he say when he was criticized? I am doing a great work. I cannot come down unto you. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down unto you? If, if, if Gideon had come down unto these brethren and argued about who was the champion, the great work would cease. And so we need to uh, remember this. It's not about us. It's about him. And if criticism comes, that's all right. All right. Uh, so much more could be said. Yes, Sakari. When you were talking earlier, too, about, you know, that he, he really showed us a good example of humility. You know, he really showed us that sometimes it's hard when someone's trying to take, you know, you know they're trying to, like, they wanted to be above him and said, you know, we're better. And he just said, that's, you know, you win. And that, that's such a good testimony for us of humility because it's, it's really hard to swallow your pride sometimes mm-hmm. and, like, not start, not, not start, someone else is kind of starting it, and, and he didn't take the bait. Exactly. He didn't yeah. take the bait. He didn't, he didn't allow them to egg him on and get him upset. He lowered himself, and he, he practiced great humility. Amen. Amen. There, there are some folks that you cannot get them to fight. You know, it, it takes pride, the Bible says. Only by pride cometh contention. And if you are determined to be humble and, and not fight for yourself, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to get into a fight. Anyone else, a comment? Yes. so different in so many different ways. Some can isolate, go hide and, and hide in the shell and never come out. But the thing is, is the Lord tells you you're supposed to trust in Him, follow Him, humble yourself to Him. And if you don't do that and you think you're going to do it on your own, that ain't ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's everybody, the Lord affects everybody in a different way like you said. Some people can humble themselves and have faith more than others. I mean, that's God's work. That's not us. Everybody's different in their own ways on it. But God, that's the beauty of the Lord possesses people to do that and show them. And and to me on that, it's just, you know, he's humbled me so much over the last five years with everything that's gone on with Carol and stuff and opened my eyes. Life ain't all just about you. Mm -hmm. It's about other people. Amen. Loving each other, moving forward. Trust in the Lord. Humble your heart and get with Him. The Lord wants you to have a relationship with Him. Not just thinking this is all going to be on yourself. And 
jumping at the thing, you just think, well, this is what needs to be done. It don't work that way. Yeah. I will tell you, you ask him first and pray about it. And the Lord will open your eyes and your heart. Sometimes it can be through other people speak to you or even through your pastor. Mm -hmm. And our ways, and it's just the thing is, is he's helped me in my faith so far coming from so far from where I was 20 years ago to now. Amen. And it's just all the honor and the glory goes to the Lord, not me. Amen. He's got you on a journey of faith, and, and that's what we're talking about here tonight. So, so Gideon went, uh, as the, the lesson is called, from discouragement to destiny. Let's recap it. So what were some of the key ingredients for him to move from discouragement to destiny? This popcorn here. How did he move from discouragement to this destiny, which was a deliverer? He became a, a, a deliverer of God's people. Trusting in God, he obeyed. What else? Humbled himself when there was criticism. Did not get baited into a, 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 an argument. Factor that yeah. he just followed him one step with that next step. I don't think God showed him where would he have done it. He said, Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna whittle you down to 100 people. <laughs> you know, like, whoa, yep. he took him one step at a time. And I think that absolutely got through each of those steps. And God knew what he could handle. I think God knew it. He was weak when he started, he was hiding, but he took it one step at a, five, at a time. And, and God gave him everything he needed for each step of the way. Other thoughts how he moved from, de from discouragement to destiny. Yes. Yep. He had the promise of God that he acted upon. And uh, another thing, we've already alluded to it, but he, he had to, at some point, he had to leave isolation, right? So the isolation was where God found him, where God met him, and, and where the, the journey really began. But you can't stay there. You know, God has to do a work, and a work was done, but eventually he had to see people. And that, I think, is a key thing for us. If we are going to move from discouragement, from whatever you're dealing with, you're going to have to engage with people eventually. Let God nurture you. You know, let God love on you and, and teach you and whatever else you need. But take those steps and, and engage in people's lives. Uh, more than ever, I'm seeing, as a pastor of this church, I'm just seeing how much we need each other. We need each other's encouragement, fellowship, prayer, and that you have no idea just how far a quick text message will go just to tell someone you're praying for them. Uh, and I, you folks send me them sometimes throughout the week, and it's an encouragement every single time when I hear from you. Uh, but let's not stay in isolation. Let's move forward step by step on the journey of faith to be uh, whatever God's called us to be. Good, anyone else? helpful comments all right well thank you for your time uh, Gideon is a great uh, a, a great study and uh, a great encouragement to us let's have a word of prayer thank you Lord for this journey of faith series and how it has uh, just challenged my own heart and I pray that you'd help each of us Lord on our journey of faith to be willing to obey and to be willing to humbly follow you. Lord, may we be God-confident people. 
Lord, when the discouragement comes, when the self-focus comes, help us to get our eyes off of ourselves, onto you first, and then onto others. And uh, would you just strengthen us, Lord, in that walk of faith, I pray. Thank you for this time. Give us safety as we uh, go home. And, and throughout this week, Lord, will we have a testimony that would please you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight.